Bullet Prayer helped me become more humble as I realized how difficult it was for me to keep a regular discipline. The most challenging part of the School of Prayer was giving myself the grace necessary to grow and being patient and allowing the Spirit to do His work. The School of Prayer helped me to realize that I need to live a contemplative life. And it also helped me, in the context of a group, make this a reality. The most challenging part of uh, SOP was probably the, the pressing together of contemplation um, and social justice. Pressing them close together was uncomfortably helpful. And it's a rigor rooted in my experience or my acceptance as the beloved responding to that belovedness with devotion. I recommend the School of Prayer to anyone who wants to um, dig deeper and learn more about contemplative prayer practices. My word of wisdom to anyone who decides to do the School of Prayer is be patient and trust the work of the Spirit in you. One word if you choose to do School of the Spirit, do what you can, not what you can't. Amen. To learn more about our formation schools, the School of Prayer, and our two-year certification in spiritual direction, the School of Contemplative Listening, and our August 4th family camp, please visit theinvitationcenter.org. We are currently recruiting for cohorts beginning in the fall of 2021. Hello, this is Josh. You're listening to The Invitation. So this episode is part one of my time with Latorius Willis, celebrating the six years that I was blessed to pray with him at E.C. Brooks Correctional Facility. It's here up in Muskegon, Michigan. It's a conversation I had with him about two months ago. It's simply a recording of our exchange as we saw each other for the first time in over a year and a half. And as we talked on the way for me to take him from something of a halfway house. We'll explain more of it in the episode. We're taking him from his residence to his workplace. He was still in process of being fully released from prison and officially was out on June 15th. So I'm celebrating him getting out of prison in this episode and sharing it with you. It's also a celebration of all of our brothers Uh, Some who have also gotten out, but most who are still inside those brothers who I haven't been able to see in over a year due to the pandemic. Uh, May they all be safe and healthy. And I'm including this celebration episode as part of our summer series, White People Talking to White People About Racism, a reading of Reparations, A Christian Call to Repentance and Repair by Duke Kwan 
and Greg Thompson. The idea here is to offer via the podcast a prayerful, generous way for you to approach a Christian vision for a tangible, practiced anti-racism. And not surprisingly, we've lost some listeners and subscribers to the Invitation podcast, likely for many reasons. But one reason that some are leaving is no doubt because of this vocabulary of white supremacy and reparations. These words are terse and seemingly heavy. So what we're attempting here on this podcast summer series is to normalize these things in a bold and yet a loving way, slowing down the conversation, speaking as generously, as clearly, honestly, and as humbly as we can about these things, and to do this in a way that helps you connect the dots or follow the breadcrumbs or helps you remove the veil of your privilege that perpetuates any misunderstanding about racism, any misunderstanding that racism is not just personal, it is also systemic, but as the authors of this book explain that white supremacy is a persistent part of our entire culture. And when it comes to healing the ravages of white supremacy, there are surely several stages of initiation involved. There's this interesting word, woke, that has been emerging in our national conversation. And we can surely say that anyone who claims to be woke, this person is likely someone who still has some work to do. And so instead of thinking in binary, meaning either I am or I'm not awoke terms, let's consider the degrees of awakening, the degrees of how clear my eyes and the ears of my heart are becoming. Some of you are coming to this book and to this podcast already with your eyes and ears tuned. You're ready to hear these things. Reparations, white supremacy, these things do not offend you. And for these folks, for you, it's time to go. It's time to do something. It's time to go ahead and practice reparations. And we'll get to that. First, what we're slowing things down for is that we want to acknowledge that there are many who are in this book and engaging this podcast who are still emerging, those who still have some relative experience of cringe, of intimidation, of fear with terms like white supremacy and reparations. And for those of you listening in that space, the question is, how do I become a person who cares about these things? We've gotten through chapter two of the book. Next week, I'll share my, I'll share my incredible conversation with Greg Thompson, one of our authors. 
And then in the week following, we'll get to chapter three with Julie Van Til, a spiritual director and pastor based in Chicago. This is a friend who Pastor Denise had especially hoped would contribute to this conversation. So the idea here is to invite several different kinds of people into this conversation. I'm trying to curate different voices on the podcast, people who can model for you and me what it's like to be ready, to be invested, that they can model how to hold and posture ourselves toward this discipline of healing white supremacy. Of course, the book has some great information that may be able to convince you and me of different things. Yet the question is how we have an open heart to any of this. So our focus question for the summer is, how can reparations, this book, help me have the attitude that was in Christ Jesus, who was in the very nature God, yet he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross? Specifically, how can this question of racial justice teach me to be like Jesus, to empty myself and to become more open to the pain of others around me. And so with this part one of my conversation with Latorius, I'm welcoming you into my own personal journey toward this emptiness and openness. The audio here captures my first time seeing Latorius in over a year on the occasion of his pending exit from prison. You can also see a short video of this reunion with Latorius that's posted with this episode on our webpage, theinvitationcenter.org. And I want to offer a big, big thanks to Ryan Hum for that video work. Ryan is fantastic, and he's been a huge gift to me and the invitation, big invitation supporter since we began in 2017. So in this episode, in this conversation with Latorius, you'll hear us talk about our friend Joseph Bird. It just so happens that Joseph appeared in my first conversation with any guest that was on episode five. And we also talk about Kurt Toflin. He's the director of Shakespeare Behind Bars. I have yet to put together an episode that I recorded with him but you can hear more about Shakespeare Behind Bars and the prison if you'd like to go to episode 33. That's an audio essay by our dear friend Micah Matthews, who has also been one of our prison volunteers. So as you listen, may the Spirit of Christ draw you closer to the center, closer to himself, And as you move closer into the life of Christ, may you have eyes to see and ears to hear. May you open yourself more and more fully to his love and life and to see what he sees, to go where Jesus goes, to love those that Jesus loves. Amen.
good. Yeah, uh, it is hard to express how incredibly exciting this is. I have been going up to E.C. Brooks. This would have been my seventh year. And um, Latorius is, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites when you're a teacher or a father or whatever. Um, but he's just got so much charisma, natural charisma. And uh, he's also a leader, somebody that the prisoners inside really look to for help. And so uh, he's just somebody that I felt drawn to and was easy to get to know. And then he would often be somebody that I would, when I was trying to design like ideas about what we would do together for our prayer practices, he was somebody that I often would try to pull aside as hard as it would be because I'm only able to meet with the men in the prison in groups so to pull them aside and see like hey how do you think what do you think about this idea and so starting the uh, school of prayer this is we're going through the second year of the school of prayer right now without the prisoners because of COVID but when I was coming up with this vision for what the school of prayer could be I wanted to do something that would serve people inside the prison just as much as I serve people outside the prison. I'm trying to figure out how to create a similar experience for for both of them, but also wanting to be courteous and respectful and knowing there's just some things you can't do in a prison, you know, and vice versa. Okay, so hold up, hold up. Yeah. So Latorious, give me the give me the Latorious story. Okay. So, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I am absolutely excited because I have not seen Latorius in, uh, I think it's been a year and a half, but I've known him at EC Brooks uh, for six years. I don't know how long he's been incarcerated. We're asked not to ask the, the inmates details about their time or their, their crime. and, and um, but uh, we're on our way to go meet him. We're on our way to go meet Latorius. Uh, and, and the first time I've seen him, and uh, he was let go out of the, the Michigan Department of Corrections facility uh, to finish up his, his bit at a federal penitentiary in Indiana. So uh, he's been kind of lost in the, the shuffle. He got out, uh, Latorius got out in, I believe he told me, uh, via Facebook, he told me this uh, uh, in December. And so he, uh, what, I, what I understand is it's a kind of a halfway situation where he's living still under supervision of some sort and also working. And so he lives in this place and he's going to be completely free, I believe, uh, in the, I'm not sure when in June, it might be the first week of June. Latorius has uh, been praying with us for seven years, and it's absolutely bizarre 
for me to know that anybody would want to keep coming back to pray. There's more reasons, I think, for someone who's been incarcerated to have a hard, jaded heart and to and to be just so uh, demoralized by life and for them to keep coming to pray. And then on top of that, Latorius is known in the prison as the Muslim. He is uh, someone who converted to a very devout form of Islam in the prison. And um, so we've had in a Buddhist and uh, we had a, an Orthodox Jew that uh, prayed with us. We've had lots of agnostics and even a few atheists. And uh, they tell me that they love to come because it's, first of all, it's a way to be silent and uh, to be quiet. Um, so Latorius has meant something s special because this whole interfaith conversation is so new to me. And yet he seems like uh, more of a Jesus person to me than most of the Christians I've grown up with and served and worshiped with today. Um, oh, that's him. <laughs> hey, hey, brother. Yeah, I'm standing outside. Thank you, thank you. We're just coming a little bit late. Let's see here. It says, uh, I'll be there in six minutes. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. As long as you're doing the way, I'm cool. All right. We'll see you in just a minute. Bye-bye. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's so crazy to be getting phone calls from. The story was that I didn't know what had happened to him. And then I'm minding my own business, tooling around Facebook. Oh, he's still on there. And uh, all of a sudden, on my recommended friends, I see Latorius Willis pop up on <laughs> the recommended friends. <laughs> I was like, good gosh. Um, so he and I have uh, done, I think, three uh, Facebook video chats and um, been able to show him my kids. He's met my kids and uh, he's got pretty poor reception on his phone for Wi-Fi. So it's been real uh, hit or miss, but beautiful to see his face. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's, he's able to actually keep in touch with men that are still incarcerated or on parole in a way that I can't because my volunteer status does not allow me to have any interaction with any of the guys except for inside the prison in group settings. So I can't call them, I can't email them, I can't do one-on-one -on -one visits. Um, so yeah, yeah, it'll be fun to hear who he's keeping up with. I, oh, it's just gonna definitely be, be a, a monster hug. He, we're not supposed to have any physical contact in the prison. And we've often had to say, you know, we gotta be careful with the hugs. Um, we usually do like the, the bro hug and then pull it in. <laughs> uh, so it'll be nice to not have to, to think about, is there a guard walking by? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think that's part of the, the nerves that I have is that all my time with him and our friendship for all these years has been so structured, there's been so many boundaries, and I'm excited, but it's also nerve-wracking to, uh, to wonder what his friendship looked like now. Uh, I can't 
possibly imagine. I think it's been 20 or so years, at least, that he's been inside. I think he told me maybe at one point 22 years. Um, so I can't imagine all the emotional, mental reworking, rediscovery of his life and the world. And so I, most of all, I want to just be courteous and patient and uh, not expect, you know, just because we were really tight in the prison, that's what it's going to be like now. So right now, I'm just full of all kinds of gratitude that he's willing to do this. He's been doing what they call a cared straight program instead of scared straight. So it's kind of like uh, youth intervention. There's lots of different ways of going at that. But he, he's been doing this in the prison already for years. And he was telling me that there might be a chance that he'll create some sort of, uh, of, of program like this. And I'd love to go back with him. So the question is if he can get permission from the MDOC to be able to go back to meet will be level four prisoners who are um, violent offenders and still, um, they call them, my brothers, they call them the youngins, the gangbangers. And so he, he's, uh, he's got some interest in that and, I, and I'd love to just be able to support him and help what, in whatever way I can. So we're rolling? Yep. So I wish I was one of those people that got really, really giddy, excited. And I'm just like, my wife always mad at me that I don't get, I don't laugh at her jokes. I'm like, I'm laughing inside. <laughs> so like right now, my heart is jumping, uh, pounding. Yeah. I think the issue is I just cannot imagine what it's like for him. And I'm trying to, I'm trying, you know, as a spiritual director, I'm supposed to have like this intuition to be able to let people be who they are. And just, and, and I'm, I'm fine doing that with him, but I just, I'm still like, what is, what is he experiencing? Well, yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's been in for 22 years. Yeah. That was 1999. Yeah. Ish. He's my same age. So, yeah, I was, uh, just a couple years out of college, and uh, yeah, and, yeah. He's described the place where he's he's living, where we're going right now. He's described it as just another kind of jail. And uh, right before I uh, picked him up, let me see if he's is that him right there. He's got <laughs> he's on the phone. <laughs> He's good. He's this shit. What a cool dude. Okay. Hold on one second. Okay, you're good. You're good. He's, he, he wants to videotape this. Okay. You got a mask? Yeah. You can be without a mask, but we just okay, maybe. I'll put it on. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, brother? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
good to see you, man. Wow, well, it is. It's better That's than all right because yeah, you're yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Look at you. So this is what you wear. This is your work clothes? No, I keep my clothes in. The oh, locker. right, right. Yeah, yeah. And this is where you're staying? Yeah. So these yeah. guys, you know? Yeah. They're watching. Yeah, yeah. They're probably wondering what's going on. <laughs> yeah, we probably should leave for people come out. Of yeah. This. For, so you got till the first week of, of June? June 15th. Are you ca are you counting the days? Not really. I just <laughs> let it go. You know. I just let of course it go. you are. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but, um, Do you want to hop in here? Okay. On this side. Okay, that's cool. Front. Uh, Yeah. You remember Brian, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. With with OJ and yeah, they yeah. were bros, and he was part of the my OG crew. Right. <laughs> my, right. When I first began with Joseph, whatever, seven years ago. Yeah. How many How many guys do you think will reoffend? Out of out of what number? Just you know, maybe just out of the out of the crew that would come around. Oh, that's direction. from the crew. Yeah, from spiritual direction and. Well, what I've seen is the people who was involved in drugs in the prison. Yeah. Um, more likely to continue. Yeah. The, I think the, I think the programs and stuff really help a lot. Like being around. It helps. Yeah, but different different people, different environment. So, so not that I want you to rat anybody out, but definitely not. Were were uh, <laughs> were any of the, were a lot of those guys that were praying with us still? As one of my, my uh, brothers from church would say, up, up to a lot of malarkey. Well, it's, it's this how it is. A lot of people in prison, we don't get to see civilians, right? Yeah, yeah. So some people come just to see the women or just to yeah. see what's going on. But the truth, once they start to feel the beautiful energy, yeah. and then it'd be real. Yeah, it's yeah. Like Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. It used to be all type of women come, so people would go to see the women. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> yeah, but then they really start to vibe and yeah, really yeah. start to grow. Yeah, you know? and make sure I know where I'm going. Get on the uh, highway and go south to 76. If I put it on this, then I can set it and forget it, and then I'll, I can talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fuss with. So, I mean, honestly, I was just talking with Ryan about, like, I can't not imagine what it's like for you right now. You, you said you said this place still feels like jail. Oh yeah, it's people, still jail. It's, people it's, still watching you. Yeah, and the people that's outside of here mm -hmm. don't really get like what it's like. Like right now, you yeah. think I'm free. Yeah. But they follow me right now with this tracking phone, and then when you come back in there, you got to be searched and and yeah. Wow. Yeah, still jail, and there's cameras all over the place. You got to blow into this um, thing soon as you, every time you walk in, so they can see if you've been drinking. Yeah. You have to drop. Yeah. It's definitely jail. So is that, is that especially weird to be like, I'm almost there, but I'm not? Well, you happy to be free because you can make money, you can yeah. see your family, but then there's always the, the um, worry of like, what's going to happen? Am I going to be late? And then like you're okay. depending on people for rides. Mm -hmm. You got a certain time to be somewhere, okay. you know? Yeah. But you know, I'm not really worried, but after being locked up for so long, it's always, Something gonna happen. Something gonna happen. Yeah. You know. So they, they tell us when we do our volunteer training not to ask questions about time and things like that, mm -hmm. and just to trust that if the inmate wants to talk about it, they can talk about it. Um, so I don't, I don't remember. Twenty-two years. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yeah. Whew. 
Yeah. And how many different facilities were you in besides um, the Indiana, the last Indiana bit? E.C. Brooks? Well, Brooks, MCF, Coldwater, Lapeer, um, IMAX, Ionia. Um, Gosh, I didn't realize you got moved around that much. And then the other Ionia where Gary and I'm at, MTU. Hanlon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Saginaw, um, St. Louis. Yeah, like about six in the state and two in the feds. Yeah. So were you at, at Brooks the longest? Is it, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. did you get did you get a hold because of Shakespeare? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's the Shakespeare story? Oh, it's a um, a program started. It started in Kentucky, but they brought it here, Kurt Tofflin, in 2011. We had no idea what it was going to be. But the warden was so cool, Miss Burgess. She asked certain people to come. So we just went. And um, turning out, the dude was super cool. And it had really nothing to do with like doing a play. His, um, his theme was Shakespeare deal with every human emotion. So you pick monologues of plays and see how it impact you or see how, it, um, how you vibe with it. It's like a deep dive into these stories and characters. Right, right. And how these stories and characters, like, as you guys would come in and quote, <laughs> I would sit in there and watch, I think it was you and G, yeah. doing, like, part of Hamlet impromptu. I don't know where. Yeah, oh, I remember, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Micah was there. Yeah. He was like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah. That's just what we do in Easy Brooks. We just do Shakespeare yeah. ad lib like yeah. that. And it, and it was and it's not therapy, but it's definitely therapeutic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what I do with spiritual direction really is an outgrowth of Shakespeare. So a lot of the guys that have been in Shakespeare uh, know at least they know about it. Um, so I have a lot of thanks to offer jo Joseph and uh, Kurt for making this all happen. I actually even asked Kurt just recently like some questions to make sure I was doing this all right. <laughs> he, he knows he knows a lot more. But um how did Joseph got you into spiritual direction? Yeah. Initially? Yeah. And what what uh what attracted you to coming to, to the prayer? Well first it was just it was just Joseph. So we just yeah. support, right? Yeah. And so when we get there he explained what it is he do. And then what it became, it became like this sacred space. Prison is chaotic and noisy, mm -hmm. right? All the time, mm -hmm. 24 hours a day. Yeah. Noisy, chaotic, violent, mental illness, mm -hmm. just crazy. So then you get in this room and the first thing you do is just be quiet. Yeah. It's just quiet and peaceful. Yeah. So that alone first was amazing, right? So then you have an individual tell you that the place is sacred and you can feel and talk about whatever yeah which is another thing you don't get in prison yeah you don't get emotion you just get loudness violence uh, um and people who <laughs> read a book and think they're intellectual now <laughs> and, 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 and and try to hide well, their emotions. Well, well, it's dignifying to them in some sense to feel like I'm part of a book group, I'm, right. I'm learning, right. it's empowering, even if you're saying that they're still learning what to really do with it. No, because to me it's not, yeah. um, 
it's not a big deal. I think it's just yeah. what we're supposed to do as human beings is we're supposed to continue to grow. Yeah. So even if I, if my IQ became the highest, yeah. to me it wouldn't be a big deal. It's just yeah. I'm supposed to grow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, is that inspired by your, your faith as a Muslim? Is it um, part, part of that, or is it, is that I don't just know. straight up Latorius? I think that's just me. I think <laughs> I think Islam is a little deeper yeah, than yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, as far as like intelligence and intellect, I think as humans, yeah, that's what the brain is for to use. Yeah. Yeah. So after the silence, what's, what, what else? Well, we we'll read something and then we will reflect on that, and then if somebody got something they want to talk about or an issue. And then we just dig into that. Yeah. Cool. And um, is it, was it ever strange to come hang out with all these Christians? Oh, no, definitely not. Because um, we, had, we had some Buddhists, we had... But I, I told you before, yeah. it was the when, the when the Muslims first had to migrate because of um, oppression, it was the Christians who protected him mm -hmm. and took him in, mm -hmm. you know. And then you know my Muslim name is Isa, mm -hmm. which is Jesus in Arabic. Mm -hmm. So no, no, we don't have no problem with, with um, any other religion. We only have a problem with people who trying to offend us or hurt us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to put into words like you in many ways have exhibited the character and the love of Christ mm -hmm. in ways that a lot of people that I have gone to church with my whole life don't. Mm. <laughs> so that's been part of my delight, you mm. know, my, my, my steep learning curve. Mm. Have, I I think, you, have I told you that before? I think you have, but I think the biggest part of worship yeah. is good character. It's easy to preach. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is easy to do. Yeah. I tell the Muslim, you know me, in prison I'm always usually the imam or somebody giving the kutbahs, meaning the sermon. Yeah. So I tell them we can't just say we Muslim, we have to be Muslim. Yeah. We shouldn't even tell people we Muslim. They should ask yeah. why you do this or why you yeah. look like that, and then you get to tell them. Except for in the Brooks, you were known as Muslim. They call me, right, right, right. When did that on. start up? Well, because it's, it's um, I come from, you know, I come from the streets. Yeah. Ghetto, oh, uh -huh. thugged out. Yeah. And I'm humble. Yeah. But if somebody do something to a Muslim or if somebody pick on somebody weak, yeah. you heard the stories, you yeah. know what I'm going to do. Totally, yeah. So they know what I represent, yeah. you know. And, and in Islam, the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say, if you see a wrong done, you should change it with your hand. If you're too weak for this, you should say something. If you're too weak for that, you should hate it in your heart. Wow. So I try to go with the first one. Yeah. yeah. And that don't mean hurt nobody, no. but physically stop it. Yeah. If somebody Intervene. being oppressed, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember, I remember Dan. Yeah. Remember Dan? A little bitty day. <laughs> For our spiritual direction session, I'm sitting in here listening. So Dan's this guy. He turned himself in. Yeah. And then he, who was he getting messed with? Who was, yeah. Who was messing with him? It was some, um, it was some Bloods, some Nation of Islam dudes, and some GDs. It was three different gangs. 
And why were they messing with him? Just because he was weak? Because he was won. weak and white, and they knew that he could press. They could press him, and they were they was doing it. They was gonna do it. They, they was scared. He was, you know. He, he had the right to be. Yeah, yeah. And, right and so we're in our discernment, and we're listening, and you're presenting for our prayerful discernment. You know, what's the, what? How do I go out to the yard? <laughs> <laughs> that was insane. How do I go out in the yard to confront the uh, nation dudes to protect my white Christian dudes? Because these dudes are not weak. They are not weak. They're not afraid of me. You know. They gonna know I'm serious, but they could have easily said "f you," you know. And then me, I'm not. I wasn't gonna allow them to do it. So yeah. now I'm in a situation. Yeah. I'm gonna risk my outdate. I'm gonna risk going to the hole. I'm gonna risk getting hurt. I'm gonna risk hurting somebody. But for me, it's worth it. What ended up happening? I don't even remember what what happened. And did it all go down in the yard? Well, I talked to the dudes and I told them just like I'm telling you. I told them I said I know you guys are not weak. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell y'all what I got to say. And I told them, mm -hmm. this is my friend, this is my homeboy. I'm mm -hmm. not going to allow um, nobody to oppress him. Mm -hmm. That don't mean that y'all won't still try, but I'm telling y'all yeah. what I'm willing to accept. Yeah. And what I'm willing to do. Yeah. And just by the grace of Allah, they was like, man, just because of you, man, we're not going. You know. <laughs> but I wanted them to know that I know they weren't afraid of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, I wanted them to know I was willing to take it to any extent to yeah. make sure it didn't happen. Yeah. So you, you guys met up set for seven years? Yeah, we, well, it was, this would have been our seventh year if he was still inside and if it wasn't for COVID. Yeah. So, yeah, six, six years total, yeah. Tell me why that was meaningful for, for either of you. Yeah. Oh, well, for me, what, what um, the important thing of prison, people in prison, all you see is other inmates and officers. This automatically mess with you mentally, right? Because mm -hmm. you got to have a certain attitude when you're dealing with the inmates mm -hmm. and the officers. Not that you have to fake it, but they're coming at you a certain way, mm -hmm. right? And energy is everything, so you're going to give off a certain type of energy back. So now you got people who's neutral coming from the outside. The first light take a left all the way down. Um, so now you got people coming in with just good vibes, good energy. Now this is positive on so many levels. Somebody that's your age, own the house, taking care of a family, not selling drugs, not in the streets, don't feel they have to be a part of that, reminding me of responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? And then you're seeing this person constantly. Now it don't becomes a volunteer, it becomes your friend. Mm -hmm. It becomes your brother. And then a bond starts, mm -hmm. right? And then you look forward to it. And at the same time, while all of this is happening, yeah. constantly reminding you that you could be open. What's yeah. going on? Is it not saying it, not saying if you have issues you could talk about, but you just feeling it. Mm -hmm. And it happens a lot. Yeah. Grown men crying, talking about stuff that they never talked about, that they should have been able to get out as kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of little boys in prison, yeah. mentally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was. I described it as the most sacred place. Turn right, right up here. I was regularly a part of, and all my questions about what Christianity is today on the earth, who God is, it's, uh, it's just stunning to be able to realize that there's so much more possibility with God 
in a prison <laughs> with a bunch of brothers, and that's that was the thing. You let me be a brother to the left, um, to that curve over there. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely my brother. So definitely. I, uh, in all my confusion about how to do this, through here, it just became a a leveling. I, I described you guys always as the most sane group of human beings that I ever, that I regularly got to hang with. And that's, yeah. it's insane for me to say. Right, right. It's, so, so you're just gonna run in there and drop that off? Just gonna run, yeah, y'all need me to take this off or no? Uh, are we? Yeah, yeah, this is it, yeah, okay. probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me help you get that off. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay. I So, yes, 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 it is incredible for me to be able to share this relationship with Latorius and for you then to be able to imagine more what it's like for me to sit. I go in twice a month. I would be going if it weren't for the pandemic. I would be going in twice a month to spend two Saturdays with my brothers there. And in my pending conversation with one of the authors of our book, Greg Thompson, when we talk about who he and I belong to, I think we are rekindling an old friendship around this uh, idea that if we belong to anyone, there's any community that we want to embrace. It is in the vocab of Howard Thurman, the disinherited, those who have been forgotten and marginalized. And it is a holy irony that it is with these people that we find the deepest love and the deepest capacity for hope. So stay tuned for this next upcoming conversation with Greg. And then shortly after that, we'll have the talk with Julie Van Til. And as we continue this, you'll, I hope, get a sense how we can pace ourselves as we approach these big, enormous topics that often intimidate. We can just go steadily, slowly, wading deeper into this deeper water, carefully and patiently. And like I've been saying in the other parts of this summer series, we are not soliciting donation support directly for the invitation right now. However, if you especially are called to this work of repentance and repair, of learning to love black people more substantially, I am soliciting your financial help so that I can especially work with the Reverend Dr. Denise Kingdom Greer to amplify her voice you can find a donation button under the donation page at theinvitationcenter.org. If you have not subscribed yet to The Invitation Podcast, it would be an honor to have you on board so that you can get emails about new episodes and new formation resources. We are getting to that point in the second half of the summer where the uh, School of Prayer 
and the School of Contemplative Listening are getting formalized. If you still have interest in either of those, even an inkling, and you'd like to have a personal conversation with me or my co-director, Cammie Mann, please send an email to josh at theinvitationcenter.org and we can explore and discern these things with you. And finally, for anyone in the West Michigan area, if you're interested in engaging the questions of contemplative spirituality with your whole family, we still can take some more people for our August 4th family camp. You can find more information about that under the formation tab on our website. So as always, it truly is an incredible blessing that you would listen and pray and discern and learn with us. The greatest gift you truly can give us is to share the invitation podcast with someone else. If this resource has helped you, formed you, inspired you, please share that goodness with someone else. So until next time, my friend, wherever you hail from, may you be blessed. Amen. Amen.